Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to those who might be watching by live stream on Facebook Live and those who will go back and watch this later because they didn't know it was airing tonight. This is kind of a surprise for us. And the main reason that we're doing this live streaming is because Sunday we're going to have a very special guest. We're going to have a one service at 10 o'clock and we're having as our preacher and singer, uh, Reverend Keith Elder. Keith is a retired United Methodist pastor, but he's also a singer and songwriter. I always, I can't imagine him without a guitar in his hand. He, uh, he is, he's played in all kinds of settings and conferences and retreats and all these different places. I've had him at two or three different churches across the years. Uh, he, he is a wonderful singer. Sounds a little, a little bit like James Taylor or, or something like that. Um, he writes his own music, and, and you'll love him. He's a great storyteller. So he's going to sing and preach and storytell in between there, and that'll be at 10 o'clock on Sunday. And then right after uh, Keith does his thing, we're going to have hot dogs and ice cream in the portico. So, hey, you can't beat that. I wanted to tell you about that. The other announcement that I had was um, that on the first Sunday of June, um, on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to take a special offering up for um, the victims of the war in Ukraine for Ukrainian refugees. And that is part of the offering that will be taken up this year's annual conference offering when we have our worship service together as a North Alabama conference later on in the month of June. We, we always take an offering up for something special, and this is this year's something special are for Ukrainian refugees, and so so keep that in mind and and give as the Lord makes you able to give. Let's pray as we get started. Our Lord, thank you for blessing us and making us able to come and worship tonight. For those worshiping here in person, for those worshiping uh, at a later date or whose worship, who are worshiping with us live stream right now, you know the needs of our hearts, Lord, and you know um, our hearts' cries. And so we lift up also um, the, the grief and, and the need that we know that uh, people uh, in Texas are going through, people in Buffalo are going through, people in Ukraine are going through and and Lord we are ourselves go through Lord and we we lift that up to you and we pray Lord uh, that you would comfort those who need it the most and that you would guide all of us and help us Lord to walk with you um, be with us in our worship tonight Lord and may it be pleasing in your sight as we open our hearts to your word in Jesus name Amen the scripture tonight, the gospel lesson for this coming Sunday, comes from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. I ask, Jesus is praying, and he says to the Father, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they, all, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, 
that they may be completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me from the foundations of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know these uh, that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that um, they, the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, the message tonight is entitled, The Lord's Prayer. Now, I know when we think of the Lord's Prayer, we usually think of the one that we pray when we pray together in worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That the Lord's Prayer. This is kind of the other Lord's Prayer, which is a recording of Jesus' prayer to the Father in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer it's called sometimes. And it really is special because it gives us uh, in the other Lord's Prayer, the Our Father Who Art in Heaven prayer, he's really teaching us how to pray, and uh, it's a pattern for praying. This is just kind of a glimpse into Jesus' heart, because really our, our prayers the, are the cries of our heart, and they, they reveal something about us. I think about the prayer of George Whitefield. George Whitefield was one of um, the people who came to John and Charles Wesley's society meetings in uh, the early 1700s. And he was greatly influenced by John and Charles Wesley, and John and Charles Wesley were greatly influenced by him. He is the one who talked John Wesley into going out into the fields and out by the coal mines and preaching outside uh, of the four walls of the church. So he, he was a great influence to them. They were a great influence to him. Uh, when George Whitefield came to the United States, he made trips up and down the East Coast preaching in New England and in, from Georgia all the way up to New England. And he just had a tremendous impact everywhere he went. Um, as a matter of fact, if you go to the University of Pennsylvania, you will see a statue there of George Whitefield because he was one of the founders of the University of Pennsylvania in addition to all of his evangelistic work. Um, George Whitefield's prayer is a glimpse into his heart. Here was his prayer when he came to America preaching. His prayer went like this, O oh Lord, give me souls or take my soul. Um, that's how committed he was to spreading the gospel. And there are other prayers that, that uh, you can see. Um, Thomas Kempis's prayer was, Give me what thou wilt, and how much thou wilt, and when thou wilt. Uh, set me where thou wilt, and deal with me in all things as thou wilt. Um, so we hear in the prayers of people what their heart's cry is. So how important is it that we just kind of get a glimpse of Jesus' heart cry? And I think that's, that's very important. And that's the beauty of Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. The first part of the prayer, verses 1 through 5, Jesus prays for himself. And the second part of the prayer, verses 6 through 19, Jesus prays for his disciples, his, the, the 12 disciples. And then there's a part of the prayer, which is kind of what we read tonight, verses 20 through 26, 
where Jesus prays for all those who will come to believe because of the testimony of his original disciples. And so that would be us. Did you know that Jesus prayed for us, for those who would become future believers? Jesus prayed for me. Jesus prayed for you. Just, just kind of let that sink in for a minute. So what was his prayer for us? Um, here was his prayer in a nutshell in verses 21 and 22. He said this over and over again. He prayed that we may be one. That's the Lord's prayer for us, that we may be one. Um, so what does Jesus mean by that? All right, It's important to know what he means if he says we're going to be one. And to see what he means by that they may be one, let's see what he doesn't mean. Um, Jesus doesn't mean that all of his followers are to have the same opinions about everything. And you're thinking, Whew, because that would be the most ironic prayer ever, uh, that they may be one, given the world that we live in, right? Okay. Um, we're not to have, we don't have to have the same opinions. Uh, there's an old saying that, that opinions are like noses. Everybody has one, and some of them smell better than others. So, uh, and Jesus knew that. Jesus, when he brought together his disciples, he brought them together a variety of people from different backgrounds, different experiences. He never told them they had to agree on everything. Uh, it, it would have been crazy to think that that, that would be a requirement. It, because when you read the Gospels, you see Jesus' followers are going around, and, and it must have been like herding cats. Because so, um, not... Not the same, not that kind of unity, right? And, and not, I know we try to force that sometimes on one another. And we're sort of like Lucy in the Peanuts cartoon, you know, the little strong-willed little girl. And I would say bossy, but that, that would be wrong. I, I, because, you know, don't put that on little girls. Say assertive. So she's strong-willed and assertive. In one comment strip I saw, she was looking at the other Peanuts characters, and she said, be reasonable. Do it my way. Okay? That's the way we are sometimes, but um, that's not the oneness that Jesus prayed for us. I like, I go back again to John Wesley, and I like what he said. He said, unity in the essentials, diversity in the non-essentials, and charity or love in all things. I'll say that again. Unity in the essentials, diversity in the non-essentials, and charity or love in all things. Not everything is essential. We treat it like it's that way, and we treat it like we have to have 100% agreement on you know, what color of paint to use in the church bathroom or something like that. Not everything is essential, but some things are essential. And above all else, we treat each other with love. Um, so that's not what oneness means not oneness of opinion and not oneness of function and first corinthians 12 paul says that we're like christ's body and we're all individually members of it we've all been given different gifts um, as god has chosen to give to us and just like the body has different parts and it's still one body that's the way it is with the church is what paul writes in first corinthians 12 so he goes on to say that the eye cannot say to the hand i don't have any need of you 
and the head can't say to the feet, I don't have any need of you. Because if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And, you know, you get the idea. We all don't have the same gifts, but we all have gifts. And we don't, all don't have the same functions, but we all have functions. So being one doesn't mean that we're of one opinion. It doesn't mean that we all are functioning in the same way. So what does being one mean in this prayer? And that's what we're going to kind of focus on tonight. I think the key is what Jesus said, that they may be one as he and the Father were one. So we just naturally ask ourselves, okay, how were Jesus and the Father one? Remember how I told you that being one didn't mean one in opinion or one, one person. Here's what one does mean. is what the word in John 17 actually means. It has kind of three aspects of it. One is it means to be one in quality or essence, quality and essence. Quality in that um, is something that makes it, it something what it is. Okay, the, the essential basic character. So Jesus is saying, I, I, I want my followers to be one in basic character. Um, when Jesus told Philip in John chapter 14, uh, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Because Philip had requested, Lord, uh, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And, and Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. So the same basic character the same quality uh, that Jesus had reflected the father and then essence has the following meanings it it means uh, the basic nature of something it's the basic nature that would be the same whether anybody was watching or not um, it's the kind of the inner quality that something has for us and and for us it means that that we are to have the same basic quality basic character we don't all look the same we don't all think the same we don't have the same even have the same tastes but it, when it comes to the basic character the basic essence and quality if you've seen one follower of Jesus then it should be that you've seen them all that's supposed to be how we are whether anybody's watching or not so another meaning of essence and this is something that you might know if you've cooked a lot or, or even with perfume and things it's kind of the essence is the concentrated form of something that still maintains the flavor so you can add a little bit of water you can add a lot of water you can boil it down to just a residue but it remains the same in the essence so what we're talking about about being one as followers of Jesus is Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. So I would say regardless of our differences, whether it's, it's our church or the church across the street or the church down the block or the church uh, up this way, whatever denomination, whatever church, if we all are followers of Jesus, regardless of our differences, and we do have differences because some use a little water, some use a lot of water, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. But if you boil us down to our essence, then what you should find in each of us is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Um, 
And if that's not the case, then something's wrong. Um, so another meaning of being one is, and the way that Jesus and the Father were one, is to be one in power. And the power is not used to lord over people, but to be used in humble service. Right before Jesus uh, sent the disciples out to go and make disciples in Matthew 28, Here's what he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority, all power, every, every liberty, every right, every permission, every, every ounce of power on heaven and on earth had been given over to Jesus. Um, there was not anything that the Father had that he had not put into Jesus' hands. It's the same thing that Jesus said to them in the upper room in John chapter 13. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was coming from God and that he was going back to God. So he had all authority, all power. And what did he do in the upper room that night, uh, the night that he instituted the Lord's Supper? It says that he got up from supper and he laid aside his garments and he wrapped a towel around himself and he washed the disciples' feet. This one who had all power, all authority. So God the Father and Jesus the Son were one in power and authority. Uh, that's how they were one. And yet Jesus humbled himself and served. So here's how this comes into play for us. We have all received the power and authority from God that comes with the Holy Spirit. And we all have been given the same Holy Spirit. There's not one Holy Spirit for Methodists and one for Pentecostals and one for Catholics. We all have the same Holy Spirit. Uh, remember, that is our essence, Christ living in us. If you boil us down, that's what we're supposed to have. And it also comes with the power and the authority of Christ, the same power and authority that we have. We don't have to keep asking and asking and asking for it. It's been given to us. But what are we going to do with that? Are we going to go around telling people that we're better than they are? Are we going to try to uh, set ourselves up on a pedestal? No, we're going to serve like Jesus served because we're following Jesus. And then finally, and this is so important, Jesus and the Father were one in love one in affection for those around them. And so, in other words, Jesus and the Father loved the same way. John 3.16 is probably the most memorized scripture ever, for God so loved the world. Everybody knows that. But he so loved the world that he gave. He gave. And so in, in John chapter 13 that I referred to earlier, I see Jesus sharing the Last Supper and Jesus knowing what he was about to go through, it says that he loved them to the end. In other words, he loved them and he, he gave up his life for them. And he would tell them, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down the life for his friends. So loving the same way brings us together as one doesn't it um you may or may not know that i'm a big braves fan any of y'all like the braves yeah. okay 
so if you go to a Braves game, um, you'll, you'll be in, in the crowd there. But if, you, if you're watching on TV, if you're watching a game on TV, it doesn't have to be baseball, but if you're watching an, an event like that, you'll see if they pan across the crowd, you'll see people that look different, uh, all kinds, young, old, people in business suits and people in teenagers in shorts and t-shirts. And you'll see um, folks in wheelchairs and you'll see kids and babies and all color of skin and hair and eyes, all nationalities and races. I don't know where that music came from. That came from Sheila back there. Um, but you'll see all these different kinds of people sitting together and cheering together, eating together, eating hot dogs and popcorn together, and, and celebrating together because of what? They have the same love, the love for the game, the love for their team. So Jesus prayed for us to be one um, in love, to love the same. John Wesley said, if we cannot all believe the same, can we not always, can we not um, love the same? And that's the oneness I think Jesus was praying for. So somebody um, might think, well, if we're supposed to be one, then why are there so many different churches? Why are there so many different denominations? Why are you standing there as a United Methodist pastor in the United Methodist Church that is, seems to be on the verge of splitting up into two different churches? Why are you saying, um, be one? And somebody that's skeptical might say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And to that person, I would say, well, you'll start to see it when you really start to believe it. Um, every Sunday in traditional worship service, we confess our beliefs together with the Apostles' Creed. And you probably know the Apostles' Creed. In the Apostles' Creed, and this is something that people who hear it for the first time always ask me about. In the Apostles' Creed, it says, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And people say, oh, are we, are we Catholic? And, and why are we saying that we're Catholic? And it's not the Catholic with a capital C, like the Roman Catholic Church up the street here. It's a Catholic with a small c, and it just means universal. So what we're saying is that when we all get together, we're part of a church that goes beyond the walls here at the corner of Fifth and Chestnut, that goes really around the world, and that we are one in that way. We don't mean that we are one of opinion. We don't mean that we're all one person or have the same function. What we confess every Sunday and what Jesus prayed for us is that we would be one of, of quality, of essence, one of power and authority to serve, and that we would all love the same. And, you know, if you say, okay, I'll believe it when I see it, then I'll say you'll start to see it when you really start to believe it. Um, prayer is important, and seeing what Jesus prayed is important because the Lord's Prayer, this one in John 17, is the Lord's heart cry for us that we might be one. Let's pray. 
Lord, I pray that we would take your heart's cry to heart. And that, Lord, even if we have differences of opinion, if we think that differently, if we vote differently, if we have different um, things that we care about deeply, that we could still be of the same essential character and essence. That if you boil us all down, regardless of what name tag we have on, that you will find Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that whatever we do, that we might love each other through it. We pray for this, Lord, even in a world that seems to be more divided than ever, even in the midst of strife. We pray, Lord, we pray that even as we believe this, we'll start to see it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.